Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Hallelujah. Well, I am so glad that you're here today. Praise God. And, uh, you know, this 4th of July was a little awkward in the sense that we didn't know whether to do something for the fourth last week or this week. And so, um, anyway, I'm going to uh, share a couple of things with you. I do have a, a message that is not related to that. Um, but, nonetheless, I do want to say that, uh, you know, I am very thankful uh, for this nation that we live in. Who's, who's glad to be an American? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And, uh, you know, it is, a, um, it is an honor and it is a privilege, uh, you know, to be able to say, uh, you know, I am, uh, I am a citizen of this great nation, praise God, and I am grateful to God for, uh, for this land that we live in, and there is no nation on the earth that has done more to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. You see, I am convinced of this, that God raised up this nation for specifically that purpose. Praise God. And, uh, you know, many times we talk about that our, our forefathers, they came to this, to this land uh, for freedom of worship. And... And while that's true, and, and you know, and I don't minimize that at all, they did come here for freedom of worship. But I believe God had something even bigger than that in mind. Jesus said before he went back to heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You realize that, that um, impoverished nations don't have the ability to uh, take the gospel to the world. You know, impoverished nations that are struggling every day just to eat, just to survive. Many, most of the world is really is like that. And impoverished nations don't have the ability to actually fulfill the Lord's commission. And, you know, it, it takes people who are blessed. Why have we been so blessed in this nation, because I believe that God raised this nation up for the very specific purpose of getting the gospel to the world. Praise God. Not so we can just come together and lift our hands and worship the Lord. You know, anybody anywhere can do that. 
You don't have to have any, any kind of resources to be able to do that. But it does take a tremendous amount of resources to get the gospel to the world. And, uh, uh, you know, we as a, as a nation, as a, as I, I just repeat this, we've done more as, an, as a nation to get the gospel to the world. And regardless of what anybody thinks is wrong with America, uh, you know, and, and some have said, well, the decline of our nation started with a moral free fall. And uh, I disagree with that. The reason I do, because I think, yes, there has been a decline of morality in our nation, but something else came before that. And that was that we lost sight of what God raised us up to do. And, uh, you know, we, we were raised up to, to take the gospel to the world, yet most churches, most churches, sad to say, most churches don't do anything for missions. Most churches don't do anything to, to spread the gospel around the world. There are, um, you know, um, there are churches with a lot of resources that don't do anything with it except build bigger buildings and, and pay higher salaries and, and uh, you know, and this kind of thing. And, you know, and I'm not opposed to, uh, to people, to, to ministers making a good wage, making a good living. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not opposed to beautiful buildings, not opposed to those things. But uh, what I'm saying, if we do so at the expense of not getting the gospel to the world, we have actually lost our reason for existence. And... Uh, um, it's so important because if we don't get the gospel to the world, who's going to? And so, uh, you know, Jesus gave us a commission. When he went back to heaven, he talked to us right the very last thing before he went back to heaven about important things. And the, one of the very last things he said was, go into all the world and preach the gospel. See, God's about all nations and all people. Hallelujah. And so we have a commission, you know, and I just want to ask you a personal question. You don't have to, don't have to shout back the answer. Just answer it to yourself. But what are you doing on a personal level to get the gospel to the world? And just, just answer that for yourself. And then... Ask the Lord, do I need to do something different in this regard? Do I need to do something different here? Praise God. God is about all nations and all people. Praise God. And I've got a couple more things I'm going to say, but we're going to receive the tithes and offerings this morning. Amen, amen. Well, God is good, right? So... Uh, Want to hear a story? So I played all of worship with half of a pick because I couldn't find this one that just fell out of my pocket when I pulled my phone out. I'm telling you what, 
There's some of those days, right? You ever, ever have one of those days? Yeah? Aren't you glad that God's still good even in your rough days? Right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we're going to talk about giving and receiving today. Are you excited about that? Um, 1 Kings chapter 17, we experience this story with uh, Elijah. And if you want to turn there, you can. I'm in verse 8. If you don't want to turn there, then you don't have to. But it says, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. And I want you to dwell there because I have commanded a widow there that's going to provide for your needs. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gates of the city, indeed, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, please bring me a little cup of water that I may drink. Verse 11, it says, and she was going to get it, and he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. See, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and for my son that we may eat and we may die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour will not be used and the jar of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain. So she went and she did according to the words of Elijah. She did uh, and she and her household ate for many days and the flour was not used. And the oil did not run dry according to the word that the Lord has spoken to Elijah. That's a bigger passage than we normally use in offering, but I want to bring out just a couple of things here in this passage. And it hasn't been too long since we've talked about it, but I want to jog your memory because it's good to rehearse the things of God. Amen? So we've been, I've been meditating on this again, and God has just really placed it on my heart and really uh, uh, used it as, as words that I can go forth with. And so I want to encourage you with it today. The first thing that happens here that I want to point out is that Elijah was told by the Lord to go to Zarephath, and the word Zarephath means a place of purging. Now, this is going to be like an entire message in about two minutes, all right? So um, he's going to a place of purging because I believe that a lot of times when it's a dry season, when it's a weary season in the land, when you feel like you're going through a struggle, you're going through turmoil, sometimes we need to purge ourselves of things that are in our life that need to go out of our life so that we can get to a place where God can bless us. Amen? So arise and go to Zarephath, a place of purging. I want you to live there for a little while. I want you to dwell there. Then he goes on and he says, I've commanded a widow woman that's there that's going to help you. See, sometimes we discount what we have to offer because we think that we aren't at a certain status point or something like that. And we do that in giving all the time. Well, I can't give X amount and whatever X amount is in our mind, if we can't give X amount, then it's not worth anything. But God said, I have a, a specific job for you, Elijah, as my prophet, and I'm going to call someone that society overlooks that is viewed as the poor, as the broken, as the hurting, as the lowly, and that person and is going to hold you up so you can go and do what I've called you to do. I believe that Elijah could not have made the impact that he would have made if it wasn't for the widow woman. So 
Don't ever discount what God has chosen. He said, I want you to, to, to go there. And then he cried out to the woman, and he says, bring me something to drink. And he says, and while you're at it, why don't you bring me a little bit of bread? And she said, no, I don't have any bread, but I only have this. Not only did society push her aside, but she began to push it aside as well. She began to say, no, I don't have very much. All I have is this. It's not even worth anything. All I have is this. And he says, all right, that's great. But if you'll use what you have, God will multiply what you have. So when we're giving and we're receiving, and we call it giving and receiving, because as we are obedient and we give, then we receive. And God credits it to our account. And so just like the woman here, I don't want you to ever discount what you have. I want you to be obedient and I want you to give. And if you'll do that, then you unlock the power of God to be able to make the bin of flour not one run dry and the, the cruise of oil not run dry. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. He says, when you go, do not fear, but make me a small cake from it first. She was obedient. Right now it may seem like you're Barely scraping by. Right now it may seem like it's not enough. But if you'll be obedient, then God will take your gift and he'll multiply it to your account. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray today over our giving. I want you to take a second and pray for yours, and then we'll come all together and pray. God, we thank you that you've given us the ability to give because you've blessed us. God, we don't discount what we have as unimportant or small. We don't place ourselves in comparison to someone else or what our idea of, of, uh, of what our idea is of maybe what we should be. But God, we are obedient to you and we give knowing that you're crediting it to our account. We understand that your plan is bigger than our plan and our job is to be obedient. And so God, we give to you today and we trust you to credit it back to us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As they're receiving the offering today, uh, I have a couple of quick announcements. Best part of church, right? The announcements. Um, good ones today. There's good announcements today. First of all, there's two huge outreaches happening on July 27th, and we need lots of participation. And so this is me asking you. Sometimes we'll say, um, or I'll hear that somebody didn't, uh, didn't help out because they weren't asked. So this is me asking you to help, all right? On July 27th, we have two outreaches. First of all, downtown Carlsbad, we are hosting an event called The Blessing of the Bikes, and we're excited about that. Joe Lopez is leading that, and Joe is uh, Joe's on vacation today. He's um, visiting grandkids. Isn't that pretty awesome? I'm excited for him to be able to do that. But um, he is uh, out today. But if you want to help with Blessing of the Bikes, this is a, a family event um, whether, you, uh, whether you ride motorcycles or not, it's a family event, and it's going to end with um, praying over the bikes that, uh, that when they're riding, that, that they're safe when they're riding, that God begins to speak to them. And, and um, so it's just a really, really cool, really special event. So if you want to help with that, we need um, a few 10, 12 people to help out with that event. And then the second big outreach that we have happening on the 27th is Carlsbad Municipal Schools is doing a back-to-school event, and they called us and they asked us to help out with it. They said, we want Word of Life to be a part of that event, which is pretty awesome. I love it when the outreaches come to us. Uh, we've made a purpose um, at this church 
to do an outreach, at least one outreach a month. Um, and we've done that for almost a year now, and we've seen tremendous results uh, because of that. And now people are coming to us and saying, we want you to be a part of our event. And so we're going to go. We're, gonna, we're not going to be preaching or anything like that, but we're going to be wearing our God is madly in love with you gear. And um, we're going to be doing a dunk tank. We're going to be doing a uh, face painting and a snow cone booth at the back-to-school event for Carlsbad Municipal Schools. And so uh, we need people both places, all right? We need um, people to, to help out at the back-to-school event and people to help out with Blessing of the Bikes. And so if you can help out with either one of those, and I know you can, I know you can do something, I'm telling you, in enough time where you can mark off your calendar and you can be there, all right? So... Tell us how you can help, and we're going to mark you down. And um, then the last thing that I have to say is we're super pumped that the very next weekend, August the 4th, is going to be our, um, our August outreach. It's going to be back-to-school family day here uh, in service on August 4th. And then that evening, we're going to go picnic, and we've rented out the Carlsbad Water Park. Um, we've got tickets that you can hand out to your neighbors, your friends, your enemies. If you've ever just wanted to dunk someone, then give them a ticket, and then hold a, we can baptize there at the water park, all right? You can practice. You're like, here you go. Hand those tickets out. We've got spots for 400 people at the water park, and we want to fill it up. It's going to be a really special day on August the 4th, all right? So good things are happening here at Word of Life. Um, I trust that you all had a good 4th of July weekend, um, and we're closing it off here, and I'm happy to be with you guys. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor, and um, we'll get into the Word of God today. You know, I want to dismiss our bridge class, first of all. And then just a couple more things about our nation. Uh, you know, I began to speak some things probably three years ago. And, uh, you know, I've heard for years... Christians praying, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, uh, then I would hear from heaven. I would forgive their sins. I would heal their land. Um, and you know the 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 Spirit of God just began to speak to me about that passage of Scripture. He said, "How long?" Are my people going to pray that prayer until they actually believe I'm healing their land? Don't we teach in, you know, in, in faith circles, don't we teach that um, what things whoever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive? Hmm? Isn't that what we preach? That we, we are to believe we receive when we pray? And so Christians have been praying that prayer for, oh, forever, seemingly. Um, but yet they don't believe, you know, they, they turn around and they talk about how much worse things are getting. 
And all they talk about is how bad everything is, but then they pray, heal our land. And the Spirit of God said to me, he said, uh, start telling people I am healing their land. And, uh, you know, one of the things that goes along with, with healing is uh, in, in just in, in the natural when it comes to healing that sometimes a surgical procedure is necessary to bring about healing. And what is happening in our nation is that God is healing our land, but he's doing a surgical procedure. And uh, when you're doing a surgical procedure, you are removing something that is causing a problem, right? Okay. So in order to remove that, sometimes you have to cut open a, a body to get out what needs to be taken out. And this is what the, the image that I began to get about what was taking place in our land was that God was doing a surgical procedure and taking out what needed to be removed. And uh, he began to say this to me at the, the last presidential election that we had. He said this. He said, this election is about rooting out corruption. This election is about rooting out the corruption. And how do you root out the corruption? You know, I mean, sometimes you gotta, you got to open something up in order to get out what, what is even hidden. Sometimes you can't even, everybody has heard of exploratory surgery where you open someone up just to see what's in there, exploratory. Well, Sometimes you got to open something up in order to see what is there that needs to be removed. And uh, because you can't see it with the natural eye, you can't see what's there and, until you open the thing up. And God is opening up some things. So, uh, you know, so many people right now, in our nation are dismayed about some of the things that are taking place, some of the things that are happening in our country. And I see it through a little different perspective on that. And actually, I would say to you, when you see these things happening, don't get upset about it. Rejoice. Rejoice because what's going on is part of the process of healing our land. And uh, I, I will say this, that God will not fail at healing our land. He will not fail. God is not finished with America. Praise God. And our best days are ahead of us. Praise God. Now, I, I say that to you prophetically this morning, that as a nation, you can mark it down, Pastor Daniel said on July, what is it, 7th, 8th, 7th, anyway, uh, on July 7th, 2019, Pastor Daniel said that our best days are ahead of us. You can mark that down. Uh, I'm saying it because that's what I hear the Spirit of God saying. I'm excited about what is going on in our nation. I am excited to, to, to watch what's taking place and to, to know 
that God is doing some things and turn and and the the turn is going to it's beginning to be evident if you if you look through the right perspective you look through the right lenses you can begin to see that the turn is actually taking place in fact I would say this that we're out of surgery you know and, and we're we're starting the recovery praise God praise God and we're going to see the recovery that's going to become evident very soon so begin to watch for it begin to give thanks for it but let's pray for our president I don't care who you voted for pray for the president praise God I don't care who you voted for he is the president and we need to pray for him. You know, the, the Scripture instructs us to pray for uh, those that are in authority. didn't say if you voted for them. To pray for those who are in authority. In fact, if you disagree, that's even more reason to pray. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And we have another election coming up next year. Begin to pray now for the next election. Praise God. And, and elections are not just about the president. You know, every level of political office, you know, there are senators, congress, uh, congressmen, there are governors, there are state representatives, there are, are local uh, government authorities, and we need to pray for all those in authority. Praise God. Praise God. There are some that are going to be removed, and there are some that are going to stand. And, uh, you know, we, we need to be praying for that. So if you haven't been praying for, for your president, if you haven't been praying for, uh, you know, God is, you know, he's, he's not real impressed with the he's not my president thing. He is your president. If you're a citizen of this country, he is your president. Didn't say you have to like it. Didn't say you have to agree. But he is your president. Praise God. So pray for your president and pray for the upcoming election. And, uh, you know, I don't get into the thing of telling you who to vote for. I don't do that. But I tell you how to know. And, uh, and we're going to be talking more about that, uh, you know, between now and, and that time. Uh, you know, maybe not, a, maybe not a whole sermon. Maybe. You know, maybe we will. I don't know. But uh, anyway, this morning we're going to continue our message that we have been on for the last few weeks called the priesthood of Jesus. Praise God. The priesthood of Jesus. And I want to just kind of give you a, a general overview of, uh, of how, what, what the priesthood is all about, how this thing works, uh, how in the past that God has, has functioned and done things and how he still is functioning and doing things.
Praise God. And so let's begin to look at this. Let's just lift one hand and say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for the word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only. I am blessed in my deeds, and I rejoice because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're joining us online today, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us today. Send a message to your friends and tell them about us and, uh, and tell them where to tune in. And uh, we're going to begin talking right now about the priesthood of Jesus. And it, it occurred to me as I began to study on this subject of, uh, of the priesthood, um, now we know under the old covenant that uh, the priesthood was of the tribe of Levi. Now Levi was one of the sons of, of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and, and Levi was one of the sons of Jacob. And he was um, given birth by Leah. Now, um, there were four sons that Leah bore to Jacob. And the first son was named Reuben. And Reuben, uh, his name, you know, the, when, when he was born, Leah said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. And then uh, the next son, so then she conceived again and bore a son. I'm reading out of Genesis 29. She conceived and bore a son because the Lord has said or has heard them that I am unloved. Do you see a, said the Lord has looked on my affliction. Now she says, the second son I have born because uh, the Lord has heard that I am unloved and therefore has given me a son. Also, she called his name Simeon. She conceived and bore again and bore a son. Now this time, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And from Levi came Moses and Aaron, and the Levitical priesthood came. Um, but notice all three of these sons. She called his name Levi, um, and she says, this time my husband will be attached to me. So notice here. All three of these sons were born of Leah's self-effort to be accepted or received by her husband. Um, and so now go, we go back in the story and we find out that, that Leah was not really the one that, that Jacob wanted to marry. 
He wanted to marry Rachel, and he was tricked by his father-in-law, Laban, and uh, uh, he married Leah and didn't know it until the next day after the wedding. And then, um, you know, so Leah was always trying to earn her husband's acceptance, earn her husband's love. Then, after she had borne three sons in an effort to gain her husband's love, then she bore Judah. Judah was the fourth son. And Leah said, now I will praise the Lord. This was the first son that was not her self-effort, but it was now I will praise the Lord. So I want you to see that, that Levi, the Levitical priesthood, was what? Man's self-effort. Levitical priesthood was about the law because the law came, was given by Moses. The law uh, came um, through Moses, who was of the Levitical priesthood. And then we see, the Bible tells us, and we've talked about this, that Jesus became a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Not according to the Levitical priesthood, not after the law, but he became a priest. He was declared to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek represents an endless life. In fact, the Scripture says that um, the, those under the Levitical priesthood, they had priest after priest after priest after priest because priests became a priest and then they died. But Jesus, he became a priest after the order of Melchizedek by the power of an endless life. Um, he was of the tribe, Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah. And he came into this world of the tribe of Judah, and there is no record of anyone ever serving as a priest of the tribe of Judah. So Jesus became a priest after the order of Melchizedek, which the Bible talks about Melchizedek, that there is no record of his beginning or his end. Uh, and there's no record of his lineage or his offspring. We don't know where he came from or where he went after he encountered Abraham uh, and ha had that encounter. We don't have any record of any of his offspring after that. But the Bible says that Jesus became a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, every priest up until that time, all of the Levitical priesthood, they all served in the tabernacle. They all served in the holy place, served there offering sacrifices. But here's the thing. They offered a, uh, a sacrifice first for their own sins. Then they could offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. But they always had to offer a sacrifice for their own sins first. Now, 
In the same way, Jesus, the Bible says, that he didn't enter into the Holy of Holies in the wilderness. He didn't enter into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle made with hands. He entered into the Holy of Holies, the true Holy of Holies in heaven. The Holy of Holies was the dwelling place of God. It was the place that God was behind the veil. But here's the thing. When Jesus was crucified, the Bible tells us that the veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom, indicating that it was the work of God and that it made the way into the Holy of Holies accessible to us. Praise God. And I like to say it this way, even better yet, that it made the way for him to come out of the Holy of Holies and come into the true tabernacle. The tabernacle just was the dwelling place of God. And he came out of, from behind the veil and came into you. Praise God. So he now dwells on the inside of you, and you have become the dwelling place of God. You have become the tabernacle of God. But Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven, and he entered there with his own blood. Under the Levitical priesthood, the Levitical priests would offer sacrifices Day after day after day after day, over and over and over again, they offered the same sacrifices because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. It could only provide a temporary covering. And so the blood of bulls and goats provided this temporary covering, but Jesus didn't enter into the Holy of Holies in heaven with the blood of bulls and goats. He entered into the Holy of Holies with his own blood. It says that every priest under the law, according to the law, he entered into the Holy of Holies, offered sacrifices for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people over and over and over again. But Jesus, in the same way, he entered into the Holy of Holies and offered sacrifices. And I got to thinking about this. How did Jesus, how did Jesus offer sacrifice just like the, the Levitical priests except in the Holy of Holies in heaven? How was it like because he didn't have any sin of his own, Right. He was, lived a sinless life. Yet, here's what the Bible tells us. He became sin. He was made to be sin for you. So, therefore, he offered his own blood for the sin he became. In other words, your sin, though he did not commit sin, yet his sin, or your sin became his sin. And so, therefore, he first offered his own blood as the sacrifice for the sin that he had become, which is, his, it, it became his, so we could say his sin and your sin. Praise God. Praise God. So, he offered that blood once. And for all. Now, if you study the tabernacle, 
the Holy of Holies, there were no seats. There was no place to sit down there. The priest entered in. He offered the sacrifice, did his service there, and then he exited. But Jesus, when he entered the Holy of Holies in heaven, why did the priest, he exited only to come back tomorrow with another sacrifice? Year after year after year, he would serve in the tabernacle, serve in the Holy of Holies, offer the sacrifices, and then he would leave only to come back again and again and again. But Jesus, once he had entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven, he offered his own blood on the mercy seat of God. It was satisfactory. It was once and for all. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin, but the goal, God's objective was to remove sin completely, to take care of it completely, to remove it. As far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again as, as though it never happened. Praise God. Jesus offered his own blood, and then the Bible says that when he had offered his own blood, he sat down. He sat down. Why did he sit down? Not because he was tired. He sat down because he was finished. He sat down until he made his enemies his footstool. Praise God. Praise God. So he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Praise God. Now, here's the thing. Now you are seated together in him, in heavenly places, with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. Praise God. You are in him. Now, under the old covenant, the priest had certain garments that, that he wore. And I'm not going to go into great detail, but I want to talk about just a, a few things. Um, about the priest garments that he wore. And uh, these were very specific, and Moses received very specific instructions about how to, to make these garments. And they were all a picture of the, of the true things that were to come. So everything that, every part of the garment that the priest wore was a picture, you know, and, and we can learn some truth. You say, does a, does a new covenant, new, new Testament believer need to study the Old Testament? Yes. The reason you need to study the Old Testament is not so you can learn how to do the law. The reason you need to study the Old Testament is so you can begin to see the types and shadows and see what the reality is today because it's all types and shadows. It's all pictures of Christ. Praise God. So the, the priest, he wore this breastplate of judgment. And this, this was a, a, um, a tunic that he wore that was held on by straps over the shoulders, and it was on the front and on the back. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to go into great detail, but 
inside that, apparently there were there was a, there was some pockets or a pocket that was in there, and there was a um, a device or uh, device is not the right word. Um, there there was something called the urum and thummum. Now, nobody seems to really know exactly what those were. Um, there is no instructions in the scripture given to Moses to make them. Only where to put them. And to put them inside this breastplate of judgment. And somehow we, we, we see it referred to in scripture that the Urim and Thummim, which Urim actually is a word that means light, and uh, it was used when someone wanted to uh, consult the Lord for instructions or his judgment in a matter. And how they were used, we don't know. There's speculation, but we really don't know. We really have nothing in Scripture that tell us how it is used, except that it is used to determine the counsel of the Lord in matters of judgment. And uh, so anyway, but the important thing is where they were. I mean, if, if the other part of that was important, then we would have those, that information in the Scripture. Uh, because everything of importance is in the Scripture. Praise God. All right, so it was in the breastplate of judgment, and which was right here. So what that tells me is that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we're not led by the Urim and Thummim, but we are now led by from our heart. Now, most I, I hear this term used a lot. I hear people say, well, I just follow my heart. Most people who say that do not follow their heart. Most people who say that in reality are following their emotions. They don't know the difference between their emotions and their heart. If they were truly following their heart, they'd make a lot different decisions than what they make. Okay? But as believers, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, which is where? He's dwelling on the inside of you. Praise God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Praise God. Praise God. So the fact that the, the Urim and Thummim were in the breastplate of judgment, so right here on the heart. Praise God. Now, the next thing was that there was a, a the, the straps that held this tunic on had stones on the shoulders. And on these stones were engraved, now the word engraved is really important here, engraved on these stones were the names, six on each stone, the names of the sons of Israel. Now, what that tells us, your shoulders, this is where your strength and your might is. When you carry something, you know, 
People say, well, they put that on their shoulder and carried it. Well, they, they didn't literally mean that they put something on their shoulder and carried it. But what they meant was that they bore whatever, whoever it was, they bore it. And, you know, how many of you have ever seen the painting of Jesus when, when uh, uh, the Scripture talks about that he left the ninety and nine and went and found the one sheep that was lost? And, and there is a, a painting that is quite famous that shows Jesus with a lamb across his shoulders. And he's carrying that lamb on his shoulders. He is using his strength to carry that lamb. Now, what's the significance of the stones there is that he was carrying. Now, remember, this is the old covenant priest. But the old covenant priest was a picture of Jesus. So Jesus has you on his shoulders, and he is bearing you with his strength. Praise God. We find Scripture gives us many different uh, uh, stories and accounts of, of, the, uh, of how this plays out, you know, and, and, and gives us this same picture in, in numerous ways. But he's carrying you on his shoulders, bearing you up, praise God. So whenever you feel weak, remember he's got you on his shoulders. Praise God. The priest, he was bearing the nation of Israel on his shoulders. Jesus is bearing you on his shoulders. Praise God. Praise God. Then the next thing also, was there was this square breastplate made of gold, and in this was inlaid precious stones. Twelve different precious stones were inlaid on here, and on each stone was engraved the names of one of the sons, the same names that were on the shoulders, the same names, one name on each of the stones that were on the breastplate. Precious stones, that implied that you are precious to him. Praise God. You are a precious jewel to Jesus. Praise God. Secondly, it was engraved just like on the shoulders. On these stones was engraved the names. Now, why engraved? Why not just written? Because if it's just written, it could be erased. That tells us the permanence of your position in Christ. Praise God. It is engraved. It can't just be rubbed out. Hallelujah. You are forever there. And where was this worn? Once again, on his heart. Praise God. So when the priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, the tribes of Israel were there in his heart. Praise God. Now, when Jesus, now Jesus is not actually wearing this breastplate. 
okay? Let, let's, let, but, but there's a symbolic thing about this, that you are in his heart. So, though the, the, only the priest, only the high priest once a year could actually enter into the Holy of Holies under the Old Covenant, well, Jesus only entered once, not once a year, once forever. Praise God. It is the acceptable year of the Lord. So, yeah, he entered in the acceptable year of the Lord, and he entered there, and then he sat down there, so he's still there. But when the priest entered, the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, all of the tribes of Israel, every single one of them went in there in his heart. You see the picture? They're, they're carried, their names are all written, and they are carried on the heart, on the breastplate. They're carried into the Holy of Holies. So we could say that when they went in, when the high priest went in, he carried them in with him, in him. Jesus, our high priest, entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven, and you are engraved in his heart. Praise God. So you went in there, and you are there, seated in heavenly places in him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, his sacrifice, the high priests under the old covenant had to offer sacrifices every year. But you have a high priest that entered once for all with one sacrifice, praise God, he shed his blood. He will never shed another drop of blood because another drop of blood is never going to be needed. Hallelujah. Once for all, and I like to say this, when it says for all, I say for all people, for all time. Praise God. It's not just for some people. It's for all people. The same blood that he shed, regardless of your race, regardless of your nationality, regardless of where you come from. And I'm going to say regardless of your religion, and I don't mean that in the sense that there are many religions and many ways to God, but I mean that in the sense of if, if, a, if a Muslim wants to be saved, how's he going to be saved? Jesus. If a Buddhist wants to be saved, how's he going to be saved? Bo uh, not Buddha, Jesus. If a Hare Krishna wants to be saved, how's he going to be saved? Not Hare Krishna, Jesus. If a Jew wants to be saved, how's he going to be saved? Not by keeping the law. He's going to be saved by coming through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one but no one comes to the Father except by me. Now, there have been some that say, well, the Jews will be saved a different way. No, the Jews will not be saved a different way. They'll be saved through Jesus. Praise God. And if they don't recognize Jesus, they're not going to be saved. Now, 
there is a very special place in the heart of God for the Jews because they were the lineage through which he brought Jesus into the world. But for the most part, they have not accepted him as their Messiah. They have not accepted Jesus. Uh, now, God, here's, here's how the special dealings with the Jew works. It's not to give them an, an alternative path to salvation. God's dealing with the Jew is a, a, an extended drawing, an extended way for them to come to Jesus. Now, it's, it's sad to say, but at the end of the tribulation period on this earth, seven years of tribulation on this earth, which is like no man has ever seen before, at the end of this time, they will go through that, but Jesus will show up, and then they will recognize that he is their Messiah. Why? Because he will show up as king. They weren't expecting a baby in a manger. They weren't expecting what came into the world the first time, and they didn't acknowledge him as their king but when he shows up the second time, they will acknowledge him as their king and they will be saved. Praise God. Praise God. Now, some people say, well, I'm going to wait until the, you know, till that time to get saved. I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't count on it. That, that really, that, that's not for you. That's for the Jews. Okay. But here's the thing, they have to come to God through Jesus just like you did. Praise God. Praise God. And, you know, and I thank God for people that are actually winning Jews to Jesus. Praise God. They're not coming by keeping the law. They're coming by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now, our high priest entered in once and for all. His work was finished. Is he still offering sacrifices? No, he offered one sacrifice. Praise God. Praise God. The apostle Paul, he said, I have been made in, in the, let me see uh, where we're at here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6. He says, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. This new covenant is not of the letter. He's talking about the law there. It's not of the letter of the law. This new covenant is of the Spirit. He says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Praise God. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Life. Paul said, I am sufficient as a minister of the new covenant. Now, there are some who want to bring you back under the old covenant. There are some who want to bring you under the law. But here's the deal. The letter kills. Now, what does, he, what, what does that mean? Why did Paul say that? He said, because the, the old covenant, the letter was the... Uh, was the 
law, the commandments, and if you broke one of them, the wages of sin is death. But see, here's the thing. Paul says, I'm not a minister of the letter. I'm a minister of the Spirit. I'm a minister of the new covenant. The new covenant is a covenant of the Spirit. God said in that day, talking about the day of the new covenant, He said, I will write my laws on their hearts. Praise God. He said, I'm going to move on the inside of them. This is why, you know, we don't preach the law because if you break it, you die. But we preach the new covenant, which is God actually under this new covenant, He moved on the inside of you. The old covenant was about changing the outer man. Jesus moves on the inside of you, and He changes you from the inside. Praise God. Praise God. And for those who say, well, I'm under grace, so I don't have to keep the law. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Well, you're missing the point if you're looking at what you have to do or don't have to do. The point is this is about a relationship that God moves on the inside of you, and when He changes you, this is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, you have the mind of Christ. Praise God. You have the mind of Christ. You have the ability to think with His mind. So if I'm thinking with His mind, I'm thinking differently about right and wrong. I'm thinking differently about it. I'm not thinking I have to do that. I'm thinking I don't have to, you know, I don't have to sin anymore. I'm not thinking, well, if, you know, it's okay for me to sin because I'm under grace. No. Grace is not a way for you to get away with sin. Grace is a way for you to get away from sin. Sin ought to be something you don't want to get away with. You want to get away from. Jesus is the way to get away from sin. Sin is something to be delivered from, not to be permitted to. You get that? You know, there are a lot of people that they begin to hear about grace and they think, well, I can just run crazy because I'm under grace. If you think that, you're not under grace at all. You don't even understand grace. You don't have a clue about grace. Grace is God has moved in you and you have his mind. So you start to think, you know, did, did Jesus want to sin? No, he didn't want to sin. Was he tempted? Yes, he was tempted. But he, did he want to sin? No, Jesus did not want to sin. Was he trying to find a way to get away with sin? No. And if you have his mind, you're going to think about it the way he thought about it. Praise God. It was, sin was completely foreign 
to his character. It's completely foreign to the way he thinks. Praise God. Praise God. And so begin to realize you have his mind. You have his mind. Praise God. Now, let's look. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14. He himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Who has made both one. Now, who's the both that he's talking about there? He's talking about the Jew and the Gentile. He came and he made peace. The Bible says... Let's go on and read the rest of it. He says, having abolished in his flesh. No, I I skipped. uh, He himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. The wall that separated Jew and Gentile. He tore down that wall and he made both one. He has abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man. He created a new man, a new species of being that never existed before. He created in himself. Praise God. Praise God. One new man from the two. Those who were under the law, those that were Gentiles without law. He created in himself one new man. Praise God. From the two, thus making peace. Now, get this. Romans chapter 3, verse number 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who, what? Who believe. All who believe. So, there was the Jew who their approach to God was through the covenants and ordinances, the law. Then there was the Gentile who was separated, estranged from God. Jesus came and he broke broke down the wall of partition that was between the two and he created in himself a new race of people. And in this new race of people, the Bible says there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. In other words, it doesn't really matter who you are or where you came from, but it matters are you in Christ. If you are in Christ, then you are as righteous as he is. He carried you into the Holy of Holies 
in his heart. Praise God. You were joined to him through his work on the cross. When he hung on the cross, he hung there as you. When he took the punishment, he took the punishment as you. When he rose again from the dead, he rose again from the dead as you. And when he ascended into heaven and he went into the Holy of Holies, he went in there as you with you in his heart. He went in there and you went in there with him. And when he sat down, he sat down with you in him. And that's where you are. That's where you are positioned. Now, no, he's not offering sacrifices and offerings there. He did that one time. And he finished it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there he sits, and there you sit. Praise God. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed and being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. No difference? What's he talking about? Jew, Gentile, male, female, bond, free, makes no difference. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I have no clue. I mean, really, I, I don't know all of my ancestry. And I don't know, uh, you know, I'm some kind of mixed something. Let me just put it that way. According to the flesh. But according to the Spirit, I'm in Christ. Praise God. You're no longer whatever your ethnicity says, your race is. Whatever, that, that's no longer who you are. In Christ is your race. Praise God. Praise God. Because all of us who have believed upon Him, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither... Caucasian or Mexican, there's neither black nor Native American. There, you know, there's none of that stuff. There's, there's, there's none of that. It's all in Christ. Praise God. And that's who you are. That is your race. I wish that on forms where you have to fill out and check race, you know, that they, they put in Christ on there. That, that's that's why I really, you know, I really want to check other. Explain. I'd have to write a book. But, you know, that's who you are. That's who you, you are in him. Nothing else matters except in him. Praise God. Praise God. Now. He says there was a necessary change that had to take place, a necessary change of the priesthood. Why? Because the old priest, we get a new one all the time. Keep getting a new one. We keep, you know, we keep killing these animals. And, you know, we wouldn't want to upset Peta. But, you know, 
offering all these animal sacrifices all the time. But notice this. Romans chapter 3. Both circumcised and uncircumcised are justified by faith in Jesus. Praise God. Romans 3, 29. Or is he God of the Jews only? Is he not also God of the Gentiles? Yes. Of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. One, one way to be justified by faith in Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Praise God. And then we jump down to verse number 28. He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one where? In Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, meaning that you belong to Him, this is a possessive Christ's, not multiple Christ's. This is a possessive Christ's. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. Notice what he said. There's one seed, right? And if you are Christ's, then you are his seed. Praise God. One seed, which is Christ. And because you are joined to him, you are one. You have been absorbed into him. Praise God. You know, and there is a, um, a, an illustration we could use. Now, I've said this before. Most of you have, have heard this, but I'm going to say it again. It's, the, it's a word that was used called baptized. You were baptized into Christ. Now, that doesn't refer to being baptized in water. Baptized in water is a picture of the real baptism. The real baptism was that you were absorbed into Christ. Now, it's a word that was used for making pickles. And if you have ever made pickles, you take cucumbers or whatever other vegetable you want to pickle, which that could be an important uh, illustration there too. You don't have to be a pickle. You don't have to be a, uh, no, you don't have to be a cucumber. You could be a squash. You could be a okra. You could be a beet. You could be, you know, uh, but whatever kind of vegetables you want to pickle, and you put it, you immerse it into vinegar. And the vinegar begins to permeate that vegetable 
to the point that when you take it out, it can never be what it was before. It is eternally a pickle. It ceases to be a cucumber. It ceases to be an okra, and it becomes forever a pickle. Praise God. You were immersed into Christ. You were baptized into Christ, and you became forever. Remember we talked about the engraving? You became forever absorbed into Christ and He into you, and the two became one, and you could never, ever go back to being what you were before. Praise God. You have been eternally changed. Now, the biggest problem among Christians, they don't know who they are. They don't know that they have been immersed into Christ. They don't know that Christ oozes out of every pore. They don't know that they have been forever changed. They think that they were changed, and then tomorrow they're changed back, and then the next day they're changed back. And, you know, I grew up in circles where we got saved every week. I mean, that's exaggeration, but, you know, we got saved over and over and over and over and over again. But my high priest entered once into the Holy of Holies in heaven with me in his heart. Praise God. And he sat down, and he hasn't left. He's still there. He is still seated at the right hand of the Father. And I am in him. And you are in him. Praise God. Praise God. Aren't you glad that we have a high priest? who's Not a high priest after the Levitical priesthood, but a high priest who is a high priest forever after the order of of Melchizedek. Praise God. His priestly duties he fulfilled and he sat down because he finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we established that we all receive him the same way. We all receive him the same way. We all Receive Jesus as our Savior. And the moment that you do, you're a cucumber. And the moment that you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are immersed into Him. And a change takes place, and you can never, ever, ever be the same again. Praise God. Praise God. If you're watching today, or if you're in this room today, either way, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to be saved, the only way you're going to be saved is through Jesus. Whatever effort you've been putting forth before, it, it hasn't worked and it never will work. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. Just pray this with me right now. Say, God in heaven, 
I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sin, he took my place, he took me into his heart and carried me into the throne room of God. And he paid for all of my sins. And he sat down at the right hand of God because he was finished. And today, I choose Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he paid for my sins, that he rose from the dead so I could have new life. And I choose Jesus right now. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Praise God. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you chose Jesus, if you're in this room in the back of the seat in front of you, there's a blue card. And on that card, there's a box to check that I choose Jesus. If you're watching online, there's a place for you to go to that says, I choose Jesus. And when you do, you're gonna, there's going to be an offer there. If you're sitting in this room, you can still receive the same offer. If you if you chose Jesus, then there's a book called I Choose Jesus that you can download there free of charge and helps you know what happened to you and what to do from here, where to go from here. Download that book and read it. Praise God. We want to rejoice with you. Praise God. That you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. We have become one in Him. Praise God. Welcome aboard. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus not only paid for your sins, He also bore all your sickness, disease, and pain. If you need healing in your body, right where you're at, just lift up your hand need healing in your body Jesus the healer the same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that has provided healing for your body so I'm going to pray a prayer over you and when I say amen you say I receive it father in the name of Jesus I come on behalf of those that have raised their hand right now and father I thank you that you took our sickness, disease, and pain, and you laid it upon Jesus, and he bore it. He carried it to the cross. He was buried, and he disposed of it properly, and then he rose again from the dead. And healing is now ours because by his stripes we were healed. Now, if you believe that, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, Healing is yours. So I'm about to say it right here. And remember, you say, I receive it. Amen. Amen. Receive your healing right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. 
Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 